Watch who? Welcome to the To Watch Who podcast. I'm Mark. I'm Sarah. And I'm a Doctor Who fan. And I'm new to Who. Yes, Sarah is watching these episodes for the very first time. And, well, we are both watching from the beginning right through. Nearly finishing season two already. Yeah, how many have we got left of season two now? We've got two more stories after this. Okay. So we're like a year and a half in to the series. and. At the beginning of this series, you said you'd sort of got used to sort of the format of the story after season one. But I was just thinking, actually, this has been quite fresh, this series so far. Yeah, yeah. This has been this has been completely different. And like watching these stories, it does feel almost like a it's getting to be a different show already from An Unearthly Child, if you go right back to then to compare them. I could write out what would happen like in a general sequence of episodes and that doesn't happen anymore i think this one actually is a prime example of that yeah and so last time we had the crusade surprise hit for us actually i didn't think we would get through that so well but actually we... yeah we we actually watched it in one sitting didn't we we uh ordered to take away <laughs> we ordered the same takeaway at the same time <laughs> Mark's arrived first because what, what people we tend to um, sometimes we'll watch it um, and record the next day, which is what we've done with this one, or we might watch two or three and then watch and like finish it and then record. We always try and do it while it's fresh. So we were going to do that. We were going to watch two and then watch the next two the next day and you know record then, and we ended up watching it the whole way through. So yeah, that was a shock. Like I enjoyed that so much that so I've got the book of it read by William Russell. I've got the audio book of it, which I've never bothered since we recorded. I've been listening to that, and I'm really enjoying it. And I've never bothered before because I thought, oh, you know, historical, and I've not really. It's just not been one that I've been interested in. But going back to it, I'm like, I'm all about the crusade at the moment. <laughs> I don't usually do updates, but I found something out that I need to tell you about the crusade, which is going to be, it is another blow your mind moment here. So we were talking in the crusade about, um, there was Saladin, the character, you know, like the evil, like the head evil guy in it, Saladin. He was like the main high up one, not the one that like abused Barbara, not the brother, but like the one that was sort of in charge, but and he was done up, you know, makeup and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in The Dalek Invasion of Earth. He was Tyler. Do you remember Tyler from The Dalek Invasion of Earth? It's the same actor. I don't remember who Tyler was, but I've been waiting for there to be a, someone else to appear in another story. There was no way that someone, that they weren't going to have recurring actors back. So, yes, to some extent... I'm glad. Yeah, yes. I'm. I'm shocked, and I'm not shocked. But it was just. It was only like about four stories before. So, so anyway, there we go. Right. So let's go into today's story, the Space Museum. Yeah. So we left. Mm-hmm. So they left the Crusades. They got out pretty quick, in in all their gear. Ian probably still had yeah. honey on him and everything. Into the into the TARDIS. Sorted that out quickly, didn't they? That situation. <laughs> And we had, it was a very, yeah, and suddenly they're all, they've changed their clothes. More clothes talk. 
they've all changed their clothes very suddenly. And we go into this very different story. Um, you, you thought it would be the future. Yeah. So this story is not particularly well regarded. And I looked up, um, they did like a, a poll of every story in 2013 in Doctor Who magazine. And this came out as the, like the worst first Doctor story out of all of them. Really? This came out worse than Edge of Destruction. This was number 235 out of 241. Edge of Destruction was 183. What? Oh, my God. So, I mean... Sorry, what people out there are voting Edge of Destruction higher than this? What is wrong with people? What is wrong with people? Oh, my God. So, I knew this this wasn't, you know, a particular favourite, but I didn't realise it was got the least votes out of every first doctor story which i think is a little bit harsh and there are some elements in this which i i sort of agree with that it's not great but we really enjoyed it didn't we i thought it was great we you were amazed how much i thought this was great i really enjoyed it it's it, well it's got the same we always have this don't we it's a really good episode 1 episode 1 is the strongest part of the story it's the mystery. It's just the four regulars, which is, I love it when it's just the four regulars exploring. And then you've got this sort of time element. I mean, where, what, what were you thinking when you were watching part one? To be honest, it was the kind of story that I could imagine happening nowadays. You could have that story to some extent. To, you know, I mean, they'd have to like jazz it up a little. But you could have that happening today in a modern Doctor Who um, I could see that taking place. And it's the first time that I've seen them use um, the whole space language. Yeah, it's the talk of the time travel and sort of fourth dimension and everything. We've not really got there. There's been a few little hints about sort of history, you know, changing history in the Aztecs, but nothing about sort of – It's it got quite sci-fi and very – cause and effect and what if we do this and call a bit of a higher concept maybe than usual i guess for me coming new to it that this is the first time that but also being aware of doctor who as a thing this is the first time that i've seen that up until now even all the history things to some extent that's common sense like although it's setting you know for an audience that you can't change it, that's fine. Whereas this is the first time that they've sort of gone into that that sci-fi bit. And I just enjoyed, this was one where I genuinely enjoyed working out what was going on. Because they were, and I think as well what I enjoyed was seeing things like the Daleks, seeing things that we'd seen before that we as an audience knew, there was like a familiarity to it. I really enjoyed that moment because it was them coming face to face with something that we as an audience know. And it really um, highlighted this sort of, oh, this is like, I don't know. I just really liked it. So that's what a Dalek looks like. Uh, don't touch time. What do you know about them, Vicky? Only what I've read in history books that they invaded Earth about 300 years ago, was it? We were there, Vicky. That was one of the periods we visited. Well, I suppose having the Dalek in the museum, it sort of builds, it's the first sort of 
building block of creating the world in which these stories are set. And we've, it's always been going forward, new things, new concepts. And this is the first time it's sort of looking back and saying, you know, and acknowledging that the Daleks are a thing in the in the universe and a little hint of maybe what's to come later on at the end of the story as well. So, yeah, it's nice. And, again, Dalek mania, everyone's crazy about the Daleks. So, of course, you know, of course they're going to put them back in there as soon as possible. Or just that little reference will get all the kids excited. I really like this idea of people seeing them and, like, them people talking and not seeing them. I just really liked it. So we had... um we had Vicky getting the glass of water at the beginning and then it going back up and everything. That was a nice moment, using the food machine. Of course, the food machine. And what did you think of sort of the Space Museum itself? Because I think, I mean, people have said it looks a bit cheap and it doesn't look great, but it, I mean, the sets are what they are, really. Yeah, they are what they are. I had a laugh when they came out of the TARDIS and you had that backdrop. That was quite funny. Uh, it was terrible. Um, Vicky's outfit is awful. Oh, Vicky's outfit. This is, what, the third, fourth story where she has had such a bad outfit. It's awful. She looks terrible. She really looks terrible. <laughs> Barbara's hair's gone back to normal. Well, there's so much, again, so much clothes talk. We had all that clothes talk in the crusade. And then part one, and they're all talking about the clothes. You see the wardrobe in the TARDIS. That's the thing as well with this. I think it does move and pace quite well, this episode. Normally with a bad one, it feels there's a lot of dead air. And there wasn't with this. There was quite movement and pace and talking. Quite a lot with the dead ones, there's just a lot of walking and silence. And there wasn't with this. Well, part one is great. Yeah, they're exploring and there's lots to talk about and discover and there's a good mystery. And I really, yeah, I really enjoyed that episode as well. But then part two is when we meet our our other characters. And this is where it slightly falls apart for me because what are they? The Morlocks and the something else? The guys in white and the guys in black, basically. It's just, it starts off part two, after you've had that great episode, you see these guys and it's it's sort of bad acting, but it's bad dialogue, it's bad script. And the two together just makes it a little bit unbearable. Like that leader guy, his first opening lines, he's like, yes, I'm in charge. I've been here a month now. Yes, I know that I'm a volunteer, but you're, and it's just, he's explaining in just the worst possible way not even like even on like a theater even if it was like theater or something you wouldn't have that sort of dialogue to tell the audience it's just and that is what really annoyed me because yeah like like you said it's a great story but these guys are just and it's the guys in white i think are the more like they're the worst i've got two more millions before i can go home yes i say it often enough but it's still 2000 zeron days it sounds more in days yeah, I know. I volunteered. You were ordered. Was he the main one in charge or was he the second in charge? Yeah, it's the main leader who's sitting at his desk. We haven't, oh, well, I suppose we have had it, haven't we, with like the thals and stuff. I mean, it's the back comb hair versus the eyebrows people, isn't it, really? And it's just, why do that? And or why The adults versus the teenagers is what I called it. I don't know. And then you've got these teenagers 
the other, like these three guys in black with their eyebrows. And these kids are hiding out in the museum. These rebels are in the museum. And you're not really sure why they're in a museum when there's like a whole planet. What are they doing there? And it reminds me, it reminded me of, I think it was a couple of years ago. Do you remember in the news, there was sort of like a, it was like a thing for teenagers to hide in Ikea overnight. Do you remember? It was in the news a few times. These kids, it was like a thing that kids did in like, and maybe not in in England, but somewhere there was like a spate of like kids would go in Ikea and like hide in a bed or hide in a cupboard or something. And then they'd wait for the, and they'd try and stay in there overnight. And a few got caught. It's like these kids have just stayed in the museum overnight to like, for whatever reason. I nearly got locked in an Ikea overnight. True story. In Cardiff. So me and my friend were in uni and we were looking at something like they, they called it the time and stuff and I can't remember we anyway we were walking towards the exit and we hadn't seen anyone for ages no we were like like crap it's been like half an hour like we should like move towards the exit so we were moving and then suddenly these staff appeared and they were like you shouldn't be here and we were like no and we weren't like trying to we weren't doing anything we literally we were just like wondering I think we hadn't heard something but we were like quite it's a bit late and they were like we closed half an hour ago and we were like, oh, like you're locked in. <laughs> like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so they had to go like get a security guard to like let us out. But yeah, I did get locked in for half an hour. Well, you're like the eyebrow people then. Not intentionally, but I was the eyebrow people. Come on, I was looking at bedding or something. I don't know, I was in uni. You know, when you like go to Ikea because it's like exciting and fun. I don't, yeah, so it, it did disappoint me, those people. And I think that's what people remember from this story is just you've got these two sort of not very good groups of people having this fight. But to some extent, I don't know, maybe it was just because like, whatever, I think sometimes you have to be in the mood for it. I also found some of it quite funny. There was the second in command who was a little bit camp, who obviously wasn't that good or like bothered about his job, who kept moaning about like, he was like, oh, lucky you've got me here to take all the blame for what little extra money I get and all that I found that hilarious because I was just like like one yes the writing's bad but also like he was just this like camp little extra I just found it really funny um and I also found the teenagers because they were I like this idea of these little teenage boys starting a revolution very lame is so (laughs) there was that part of it to me as well like so although I, I agree with you um I also, maybe it was just the mood I was in, but I also found it quite fun and funny. I actually don't think the teenagers were as bad as the the adults. No, yeah, I thought the adults were worse. And um, we had Tor, the leader of the teenagers, and we could tell he was a leader because he's the one that wore Converse. Yes, <laughs> like just to highlight like how young and revolutionary they were, it's becoming Converse. When like the doctor was on the floor or something, wasn't it? Yeah, and we had a, we had our a sliding door moment, didn't we? We did. The doctor going through a sliding door. We haven't had a sliding door for a while, actually. Maybe this is the first sliding door of this season. We said, didn't we, really early on, like this could be a good drinking game in Doctor Who. You've not been able to do a sliding door shot for a long time. This would be your chance. Like I, like I said, yeah, sliding door shot right there. Should we go through our our characters and then we'll get through the rest of the story that way? Yeah. So you go, who do you want to go first? 
Let's start with Ian. Ian and Barbara were all sort of bickering and having a bit of an argument throughout this. Yeah, it's funny. Ian's basically just in a bad mood and he's bickering with Barbara and she says something at him and he's like, yeah, sorry, I know. Like, they're lit. you're right. It's like some married couple, but Ian is, is, Ian is in a bad mood. And he's very, a little bit out of character. I mean, yeah, so he fights off these two guards. He has his, you know, he does his usual fighting. We expect that from Ian now. He's got to fight somebody every episode. But then he has that gun and he, for me, very out of character when he's uh, towards the end of the story, when he's facing the uh, the leader, he's like, oh, something like I'll shoot you and I'll enjoy it or something, he says, something like that. And I just thought, why, why is Ian in such a bad mood? You'll be a fool if you kill me. You will achieve nothing. Possibly, but it might be enjoyable. He just is like, I'm fed up of this. I've just been, I'm Sir Ian now. I need to, <laughs> why am I walking around the Space Museum? He was just very angsty, wasn't he? I've thought about this since. For Ian, this is so out of his comfort zone. Because Ian, the whole time, his sort of character is is the fighter. He's like the, you put him in a situation to go and save it. And this whole episode is about, they, they don't know what's going to happen. Like, They've got to make predictions on stuff that they don't know. And the stuff that he's getting angry about is stuff that they don't know or know about. Like, it's interesting that he gets so wound up about it. And he does, he gets, he just gets really wound up, doesn't he? It's really bizarre. But then you would think that being a science teacher and the sort of scientific cause and effect aspect, he would be a bit more on that and be a bit more, right, this is going to happen. This is how I'm going to save everyone and do this. But it's not science because in science you you do something and like the science, it, the, the actual guy says it, doesn't he? He's like, science, there's, there's a right, there's always an answer. And that's kind of the problem here. They don't have the answers or anything because they don't know. Like they're trying to make decisions based on nothing, so they're trying to fix a future, but which they know will happen, but they've no science or any evidence. There's nothing, no evidence to get them there. Like the doctor says something about his button, doesn't he? And he's like, "Yeah, but we could have learnt if you were missing your button, if you were button was missing before, whether you lose it during all this, you know that sort of stuff." There's no. They, they've nothing to go on, but he knows that if they don't make some changes, they'll they'll end up in those things. I think for him, and maybe that's why, maybe because he is a scientist, he's trying to change his future, but he doesn't know how to because he has no... And, he's, and that's the interesting thing as well with Ian. He does what he knows, which is to be the hero, which is to get the gun, which is to go and get the doctor. That's what he, his, what we know of Ian, that is that is exactly what we know Ian to do. Yeah, he's, he's rescuing people and trying to get everyone back together, back to the TARDIS, yeah. He has the idea of unravelling Barbara's cardigan, though. <laughs> of course he does, by biting it <laughs> with his teeth, like animal insects. This is where Ian's at now. Like he's been covered in honey and like he's just all animal now. Like I guess 
if he didn't know about the cabinet, I don't think he'd be second guessing himself because then they end up talking about it, don't they? And then that's how they end up getting, they're like, hmm, but maybe what is the best thing to do? Maybe we should do this. Maybe, you know. I wonder, the the sort of, going back to the bad mood, Ian, I wonder if that's a sort of missed place trying to add a bit of character or humour or, you know, when he gets the gun, he's like playing with it and then the doctor has a go at him and then, Maybe that bickering is just to sort of just to add a little bit of something else. It's not always it's not needed. And you remember that the scene where they're all like, "Oh, it's down this way." No, it's left and right. No, I remember it's this way. And there's that it goes on a little bit. There were a few weird scenes like that. Um, that said, I don't remember them as part of the episode. In some ways, it was nice to see them do that, and they make them a bit more rounded characters to have that sort of bickering side. But then it's just a bit of a shock to see Ian and Barbara arguing. You just like. No. <laughs> it is like seeing mum and dad argue. Yeah, it is weird. Should yeah. we go on to the doctor? Yeah. So he's very sort of, <laughs> I just wrote chill. I don't know why I wrote chill. He's very relaxed about everything. Even, like, right from the very beginning where they're like, why aren't we wearing our clothes? Why are our clothes changed? And he's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just these things happen. And then as it goes on and on, he slowly starts to get a little bit more and more sort of intrigued and alarmed but it takes him a very long time he's just he's doing his little chuckles and he's very actually most of season two the doctor has been chilled he started to have a go at vicky when she tried to touch the exhibit that was a very grandfatherly moment wasn't it he doesn't really like season one he was very much like mm, yes mm. a lot more from the start of stuff he would be a lot more negative or not negative pessimistic about stuff whereas actually now definitely since season two he's a lot more he's just a lot more open to the world and just allows things to like all of it think about the last episode you know wherever they ended up he just rolls with it even rain of terror i mean they ended up in like you know he kicked them off the thing and he's just like having them roam around France and he's just rolls he's just walking down the street rolling with it you know down the middle of France and you know literally just nothing threats him and panics him let's see where we are shall we doctor hmm? you can't dismiss it like that we were standing here in 13th century clothes I we can't did. suddenly boy it's over and done with now let's forget it see where we are come along pay attention and when he's been interrogated by the the uh, leader in the chair and he shows those pictures of the whales. What? Well, not whales, wal- seals or something. It was really difficult to see what it was. I was like, what is he doing? What is that? I think it was seals, walruses or something. Yeah. And he's in his swimming costume thing as well. But he's, but he's not angry. He's not angry when he's being interrogated. He's just, he's just sitting there like still really chill. Because before, I think season one doctor would be like, how dare you keep me here? How, you know... Why are you doing this? But he's just sitting there like, no, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I think most of season two, he's been that as well. Like, and I think that's why he, he can be more active and stuff. He takes more of that, that role rather than being the the pessimist all the time. But he doesn't, I mean, he has a, a good episode one as well, because they're all looking up to him to explain all this sort of time stuff. But then, obviously, William Hartnell has a holiday in episode three. <laughs> holiday time for everyone. Have you noticed that they only have one week now rather than two? 
So I don't know why. And the writers have sort of got better at explaining people's that he's not like unconscious for an episode. Well, he sort of is unconscious for an episode, but it's not as noticeable. It well, I I didn't really notice his absence as much. No, he gets obviously put in his cabinet and stuff. And then he gets unfrozen. It's a bit of a shame. That's the only thing, I suppose, because of the holiday. He does all that really good stuff at the beginning. And then it just, Ian and Barbara and Vicky do the rest. And he just wraps it up at the end and comes back off holiday and does a nice speech. And that's about it. It doesn't really impact as any anything else, does but it? I think because he does so much before, you don't notice when he's gone. Because we said that, didn't we? We were like, oh, he's off to be like, I don't know made into an exhibit and we'll, and you said something oh he's, he's going on his holiday and I, and I said like but it, it it's not going to feel like he's awake because he's done so much running up to it you know he got kidnapped he got he's he's been interrogated he got kidnapped twice really he's kind of led them through all this journey and established what's going on that him going allows actually us to follow the others for a bit well let's well saying that let's go on to vicky because actually she does get something to do this time which we were waiting for and maybe that's because the doctor's not around she starts to lead this revolution with the with the teenagers which is let's go to barbara first because i think we could finish with vicky um because barbara I don't think does as much. Well, I say she's gassed for like an episode and a half. She's just walking around with a smoke machine most of the time. <laughs> she, yeah, she loses her cardigan, and um, she helps a guy from the gas. That's about it. I can't really think of much more that she does. Can you? No, apart from argue with Ian, that's about it. Yeah, she doesn't really do much. I guess she shows her caring side in looking after that guy. She's like, get out, we're being gassed, and then they just don't get out. For the rest of the story no actually there's not really much else for barbara she's not like completely useless but she just doesn't really have the opportunity to do anything else she's busy being gassed in the museum that's about it let's talk about vicky then okay so vicky yeah leading the revolution with the teenagers this is this is interesting because just going back to my theory of like you know the four of them and their strengths we've not seen vicky's really we've not been given the opportunity to see where vicky's strengths lie not yet, no. This is why I feel this is a good episode. This is the first time where, because she's independent as well, they all are, we get to really see what Vicky's about. Do you like Vicky as a character? Yes, I do. I mean, this is a really good episode for Vicky. Well, it's the first episode she's not been paired with the Doctor, really, and being at his side. This is the first time she's actually had independence because... Uh, what do we have? The Roman, she was with him. The Web Planet, she was with him. And then the Crusade, she was with him. So it's she's not had a chance to talk to anyone else or do anything else. No. And I think this is the first time where, as an audience, we're getting to see what she is about as a character in the same way that we know Ian is the fighter and the Doctor's the mind and Barbara's caring. You know, Vicky is that sort of young spirit, and she's sitting there with the with the rebels, having their having a little bit of lunch with their tray lunch, finding out about everything and being like, "Yeah, you should do this." And she's got technical know how where she redoes that computer and helps. What is your name, Vicky? 
For what purpose are the arms needed? Revolution. I do think it's it's because she herself was trapped somewhere and she that she was part of something that wanted to escape. They were waiting, weren't they, for this other team to come and free them. That is part of her background, this idea of escape, of getting away, of uh, revolution is part of her DNA because that is what she was, She they were going to escape her. I mean, it turns out he was a bad guy, but she didn't know that, you know. We learned that she did medicine and science and all this stuff in school and technology. Um, so we know where her strengths are leading up to this. And then we get to see what she's about. The big question, though, the big question that I have. Yeah. Vicky and Tor <laughs> in this season two's Barbara and Ganatus. Oh, yeah. I mean, I genuinely thought there was going to be like a little moment at the end. I thought, yeah, it was a little wave. It was just a little wave. It wasn't like a snog like Barbara. <laughs> that wave was hilarious. It was proper. Like, I thought it was, it was so, so it was almost like they went, and don't forget you're supposed to be a child. So like they've had all this like sort of tension and then she just gets on she's like, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. Glad you had like the character of Tor with Vicky because that's what I've missed the last few stories. We haven't, and from season one actually, we haven't had our Altoses and Sabithas and Ganatises as much. And it's difficult in stories like this because there's quite a few of, there's quite a few characters, but Tor was like the leader that talked to Vicky. And, but we haven't really had those characters that stay throughout the whole story like that. So it was nice to have that. No, no, no. I, I agree. I think, um, there's been like, I mean, bear in mind, Web Planet, they could have got off with an ant or something. <laughs> but, but I mean, at one point we thought they might have, didn't we? <laughs> it was one of them. <laughs> what was it one of them wanted to get with Ian? <laughs> yeah, one of them. <laughs> oh, maybe I'll return. Uh, scratching his head. Um, Even though we had Tor in this, there still wasn't, I suppose we're one episode down already by the time they're introduced. So there's not enough time for that relationship unfortunately that's the only thing isn't it yeah there's not a bit of time to have any moments like going back to Barbara Ganatus you know they had enough time they camped out in a jungle for a bit and then we saw them go pot you don't have the journey with these people as much that's it because it's very fast-paced and this whole revolution happened in what like an hour or two (laughs) for Vicky she's a very different journey Vicky's just signed this so for her She's all about the adventure. Whereas, like, Barbara's, I'm not saying Barbara's looking for like sex. (laughs) (laughs) But, well, she's not. She's not getting any here. But she's, she's older. So she gets put in a different position. Vicky's whole thing is that she's now this young, free spirit on an adventure. Susan was with her grandpa and her leading up to it was I'm changing and I'm becoming an adult, a woman. So it made sense for her to leave when she met someone. So it, it wouldn't, it doesn't make sense in the same way for Vicky yet. Now I don't know how it'll be in the future, 
because she's only just starting. She's only done three, four adventures. That wouldn't follow, like, she's not in it yet for to be making romance and stuff. She's just embracing these adventures. It It's just, like, on to the next, you know. Although, like, because we're used to that, because we, like, enjoy the whole, like, Barbara and Gannitus and, you know, all of this sort of stuff, actually, it wouldn't make much sense because that's not what she's about. Like I say, I think I really like this. I really enjoyed this story. Two reasons. One, I think if you're a fan, it it has things in it like the Daleks and stuff and the whole storyline that I think you can enjoy. But let's be honest, there are a lot worse stories and acting in some of the others that are higher. If you think this is bad, watch it again and just see. Yeah. There, there is so much good in this story it is a good adventure to watch and we watched yeah we watched it all in one go as well so overall another surprise win you said some you didn't say anything but like sometimes your face gives you away um you looked a little bit apprehensive about it so i wasn't like you're terrible at keeping things a surprise so i wasn't like expecting it to be wonderful and you, I think, were surprised at how much I was enjoying it. Well, you, I was surprised, yeah. I was surprised that you were enjoying it. I was surprised that I was enjoying it. Maybe it's because we've had the web planet and maybe it's because the last one was Telesnaps as well. So I really enjoyed the last one, but this wasn't Telesnaps. I don't know. But there are definitely worse ones in season one to this. Season one alone, there are worse ones. Well, so at the end of this story we get two things. One, the Doctor talking about that he's got this bit of equipment from the Space Museum. Yeah. The Daleks turn up at the end. That was another thing that I liked because I was like, oh, that's cool because that sort of opens up this idea of new things to come, which is another thing that I've liked about this whole story. I like that you've got things that you recognise of the Daleks, but I like the idea that when I saw that, I was like, oh, because he said, oh, it's this thing, and mm, I think I could do something with that. So for me, I was like, oh, that could have, and we, this is the first time that we've had the whole, like, Doctor who sci-fi thing. So I was like, oh, maybe this will open up some um, more of that, which is quite interesting, you know. So when they said that, just I'm just saying this in the order of, like, what I was thinking when these things came up. Um so when he said that, I was like, oh, that's really interesting and cool. That's like, I really like that they've done that. That's really cool. Sorry, carry on. Yeah, so we see the Daleks and they're saying, that, oh, we've detected the TARDIS and we're we're off to get them. I did not predict that at all. And that must have been really exciting in the 60s as well for the kids to be like, yeah, the Daleks are back already. Yes, because they're still like at the top of their fame. Just going into, well, obviously, I'm not going to ask you what you think is going to happen next because we, we sort of know we're going into Dalek story. But I'm very excited because the next story is my number one favourite First Doctor story. Ah, uh, so let's hope I don't hate it. And I, I don't want to say anything else because I don't want to, yeah, set your <laughs> expectations. Just leave it, Mark. You're terrible. Look, you're terrible. I'm trying to watch like The Handmaid's Tale. You've got to watch it before me, and you're struggling to keep that quiet. Oh, all right, all right. Won't we'll say anything. Okay, all right. <laughs> we'll leave it there, Ben. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So, if you are a fan of the show and you haven't given the Space Museum the time that it deserves, then 
please do give it another go. We recommend it. <laughs> and if you're new to Who, give it a, a watch on BritBox. Go straight to the Space Museum <laughs> on your menu. And now that I know all about the episode things, like mind blown. So you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram to watch Who. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast so you get the latest episode as soon as they come out. So we will see you next time for my favourite ever First Doctor story. See you then. Bye. <laughs> to watch who? Hey, Doctor Who, what are you talking about?